are listening to Danvers Audio, a podcast by the Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. Thanks for listening. My name is Scott Corbin, and I am very privileged to be sitting here with Dr. Eric Tonis. Dr. Eric Tonis is the Professor of Biblical and Theological Studies at Talbot School of Theology at Biola University. Is that correct? Yep. Okay, I just wanted to make sure that I got that right. So uh, in addition to that, Dr. Uh, Tonis is also a board member, a CBW board member, as well as maybe the lead or the chairman sure. chairman of the board. So so we are we are huge fans of Dr. Tonis here at CBMW. So just go ahead and get started. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself um, and specifically your drive to Christian scholarship and how you got to Talbot. Okay. I grew up in a little factory town in Connecticut, and my mother led me to Christ as a young kid, and Jesus became the defining reality of my life ever mm. since then, and I'm deeply grateful for that. Mm. And then went to college to play football mm. and study, and <laughs> studies actually became the reason I was there pretty quickly. I learned to love thinking and learning and studying. It was a big state university, and I didn't have one professor I look back and say, well, there was a Christian. I don't even have one I look back and say, well, there was a theist. Mm. And so as a Christian, it was not an environment that encouraged my faith. Mm. So I had to learn to defend it and think hard about it. And so that was a very helpful as a philosophy major Mm. environment to learn to love to learn and love the life of the mind. It's actually a biology class that initially Mm. grabbed me and helped me to learn to love learning. And actually, I felt like I had an unfair advantage in classes because they were worshipful for me. Mm. And I was getting to know my creator in the Mm. midst of studying human biology and chemistry and geography and and every other subject because he made it all, declared it all very good. And I was getting to know my creator along with his creation. So Mm. it became a wonderfully faith-building, worship-feeding experience to go to a university and, and learn the liberal arts. That's cool. And then so how did you, so you did your master's level work at Wheaton College? Yes. Okay, and then PhD at Trinity. Trinity. Okay, and then how did you end up at Talbot? So? Well, I was actually teaching at Wheaton. Okay. And I had coached football there, and my wife was a residence director, and so we loved that. But a friend of mine got, Dave Talley, got hired at Biola and started sending me emails and and voicemails every week and calling and saying, you've got to think about coming to Biola. It, mm. It's a great place. And so he would usually sign it, especially in the wintry Chicago climate, <laughs> things like just back from the pool yeah, or within right. my flip-flops day. But that really wasn't <laughs> a compelling factor for us. We just uh, loved the opportunity to come back there 15 cool. years ago. That's cool. And so I said at the beginning that you also serve on the board of CBMW. Um, and so how did you first hear about complementarianism, um, and why does an organization like CBMW matter? Mm. Well, as a term or uh, a alternative way of thinking about gender roles, I don't think I heard about it really until I went to grad school. Mm. I had grown up in a church that had taught what has been the traditional view of men and women, Obviously, in my own family and well beyond, I I had seen those roles played out in all different ways or not at all, and 
in, in ways that sin is tainted, but just in the clear reading of the Bible that I, I had grown up with and the teaching I had had, what is now called complementarianism was mm. what was clear to me was the way the Bible laid things out. And I, I don't think I saw all the gospel connections mm. and importance of these distinctions or the God-revealing, God-glorifying implications of being made male and female mm. and the unity and distinction that we're created in. But uh, the basic idea is something I think I grew up understanding. Mm. And I think this issue is tremendously important because of actually what you just mentioned, Scott, that mm. it, it, it's, it's a vital issue related to the gospel, related to displaying God's beauty and perfections in our relations as men and women in a way that highlights this unity and distinction that gets right back to the character of God. And because, for instance, marriage is a reflection of Christ in his church, and so for us to do that well with, again, unity and distinction, it, it's part of gospel display and gospel proclamation and advancement as well. Mm. Uh, I also think it's an incredibly important issue because it gets back to the question of how we handle the Bible, how we interpret the mm. Bible. and. Uh, not just its authority, but its clarity, mm. its its relevance for everyday life. Uh, so I, I think there are a lot of even more foundational issues than being made male and female, like the character of God, the gospel itself, and how we how we treat the Bible. Mm. Um, and so you kind of touched on this, but you've also done some work on the nature of the image of God um, and what it means maybe to be created in the image of God. And mm -hmm. so just kind of in brief, what does it mean for man to be created in God's image? Mm -hmm. And maybe further, how does the fall affect that image, that image of God? The image of God is at the very core of our human identity that really defines a human being in the most essential way. Mm -hmm. It's what differentiates us from everything else in creation. And it, what, it's what gives us the... Uh, prominent role in the created order. It's what under God's authority gives us the privilege of being those who rule over and subdue and are mm. fruitful and multiply to the glory of God. And so the image of God is at the very essence of who we are as human beings. And I think it's a fascinating portrayal we see in the beginning of the Bible when we don't get to the very goodness of creation until we get to the male and femaleness mm. of humanity. Mm. That God does not say, yes, mm. that's what I wanted to reflect my nature in creation until we get to humanity as male and female. Mm. Very often, uh, the idea that it was not good that Adam was alone, this gets reduced to poor Adam's mm. loneliness or uh, psychic angst over his lack of being married, and I really don't think that's the primary thing happening there. That I, I think it's it's not good that he's alone because we're not to this beautiful God-glorifying unity and distinction in humanity itself mm. until we get to male and female. Mm. Yeah, that's good. And even thinking about how the image of God then operates as this thing in which man and woman as vice regents fulfill mm. their vocations mm. to extend God's glory to the ends of the earth. 
Right. And so there's this kind of connection in terms of the fruitful and multiplication that the way that God's glory is going to be displayed to the ends of the earth is going to be through these vice regions in right. his place. Right. It's yeah. a staggering thing to think about. Yeah. And humbling and amazingly encouraging at the same time mm. that that it's all given to us by God. We didn't come up with any of this incredible dignity or potential mm. to glorify God and image him. Mm. He gave it to us, but he has given it to us. Mm. And so it gives an importance to human existence mm. that is staggering and yeah. humbling and confidence-giving at the same time. Um, that's really good. Uh, you've also done some work in sport and theological anthropology. I was looking at some of your work, and you had a paper maybe, or it was part of a chapter, part right. of a book about kind of the importance of play maybe. Right. What was, what was right. the title of, of that chapter? It's called Created to Play. Created to Play, Okay. And so what does, um, you obviously have a background in sports. You said that you yeah. played sports during your undergrad. Um, how, how should Christians maybe think about sport? Or I mean, that's kind of not really, right. I can think of one book besides that one that I've um, seen that's talked about maybe a theology of sport. Right. But if we were to, to think in those terms, what would be something that you would say? Right, I'm, I'm very intrigued by issues that Christians have seemed to have a very hard time navigating in a balanced way. Mm. So I, I wrote a book on the jealousy of God because mm. here's an emotion of God that uh, we we can't seem to steward well. Mm. That it's either abusive, uh, ignorant jealousy, or we just don't know what to do with it. So negatively perceived emotions fascinate mm. me because mm. there's a good side to these, but we seem to have the hardest time mm. not taking them in... in harmful extremes and so things like humor also I've written on humor because mm. humor just goes in the gutter so quickly <laughs> or we think there's no place in it so on, on something like sport and play yeah. Christians have tended to either say well it's frivolous it has no place in the Christian life a lot of the Puritans some of my heroes mm. among the Puritans a very dim view of <laughs> leisure and sport and <laughs> And, uh, and, and so either we see it as, oh, no, that's just not serious or kingdom building sort of mm -hmm. things, or we fall into the idolatry of sport mm -hmm. in our culture just as much as everybody. Mm -hmm. And so I, I really wanted to help the church think through sports and the, the key ingredients to it, like competition, like play, mm -hmm. in a way that's edifying and helpful, mm -hmm. and where we realize how essential it is to healthy human relationships. And as Christians... Things like leisure, sport, recreation, play can be a wonderful expression of our trust in a sovereign, powerful, gracious God mm. who's promised that even though people are dying every day and wars mm. rage around the world, Christians can rest and play mm. and enjoy things like sport mm. to the glory of God because we so trust that he's on the job. Mm. Bart says in a section he wrote on the creation, he says, in light of God's sovereignty and power, everything we do should be viewed as children at play. Mm. And, and I, I really think there's a playfulness to God when you look at creation. Mm. At Biola, we have some of the greatest philosophers who talk about intelligent design. Well, we equally need to talk about the extravagant playfulness of yeah. the design yeah. because... There's not a great design explanation for billions of daisies. <laughs> so, uh, so it's not just design of an architect. It's 
a playful, extravagant mm. creation of an artist too. Yeah. So, so I, it's play competition, and I think those two work together in important ways too. So, so a playfulness mm. among Christians in Christian fellowship in ministry, I think, is a very important ingredient for us to have to demonstrate our trust in a sovereign God. Yeah. And even thinking about how playfulness um, ties into not just with creation, but then even thinking about anthropo- you know, theological anthropology, just what that means in terms of human beings being these kind of rich creatures mm-hmm. with a rich variety of, mo- mm-hmm. of emotions. That's not right. kind of just like a serious or a, you know, or a stoic kind of right. approach to life, right. but, but a playfulness. Right. And there's and the, uh, these other types of emotions that are... Um, that are just so much maybe more thick than just kind of a simple, you know, we're, you know, stoic, we have to do this thing or, or, or whatever. Yeah, one of the first experiences we have with a baby that causes their humanity and our relationship with them to skyrocket is peekaboo. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, think about a baby who gets peekaboo. Yeah. That it, that that enjoys the game of that, yeah. the playfulness of that, the yeah. the discovery relational quality of that. Mm. So, and when we see that baby do that for the first time, it's a delightful thing mm. because their humanity is starting to blossom in ways mm. that that are wonderful. Yeah, and how even peekaboo is structured into the fabric of creation. <laughs> How great is that? Yeah. Okay, I, I wish there was a paper at ETS on that. That's exactly right. Well, maybe next year you can present on uh, on peekaboo being established in the structure peek-a-boo of creation. Peekaboo anthropology. That's there exactly right. Um, well, Dr. Thomas, thanks so much for being here. We have one question. I was telling someone this before that we love to ask this question. Yeah. Um, kind of what's next for you, kind of what's on the horizon for you, and also to what books right now are you reading or books that you're like, this book is awesome. Someone should check this out. I'm just loving this. Yeah. yeah. Well, really, when you asked that question, what's next for you, I thought getting home to my four kids and wife <laughs> and being a good husband and father yeah. to them. We have four children, uh, 15 through nine, that we adopted all in the last seven years. Wow. So uh, that my, my home life is front and center in my thinking about what's next for me is loving my wife and, mm. and children well. Then I, I'm also a pastor at Grace Evangelical Free Church mm. in La Mirada, a wonderful family of saints there that I, mm. I'm privileged to be one of the leaders of and, and just dive back into the ministry there. And at, at Biola, where uh, I teach theology with a great faculty uh, pouring into the lives of students. I'm actually currently working on a book uh, with Moody Publishers on a theology of marriage, a, a mm. cross-disciplinary approach to marriage that's going to try to help us think about this in a very positive light mm. as something God's created for his glory and our delight. So mm. that that's an exciting project I've just begun. Mm. Very cool. And then books you're reading, we'll just say that. You're reading that you're currently loving, and then that'll be... That'll yeah. Be. One book I, I started again, I started a while ago, and restarted was Sinners in the Hands of a Good God. Hmm which is an excellent treatment uh, of the, the traditional ideas of God contrasted with more contemporary ideas uh, that is a very helpful exploration of an Edwards mm. view of God as 
sinners in the hands of an angry God, but to see his goodness in that as well has been really helpful. Fantastic. Well, Dr. Thomas, thank you so much for joining us on Danvers Audio. You're welcome. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please visit us at cbmw.org, where you will find more resources to equip you to think biblically. We would also like to tell you about an exciting upcoming opportunity at CBMW. In April, we will be hosting a T4G pre-conference, The Beauty of Complementarity. The event will feature 27 speakers in two days, including John Piper, Jackie Hill Perry, Mary Cassian, Alistair Begg, and Darren Patrick. Please visit our website for more details. Again, thanks for listening.